they say that you know you're starting to make it like make it is yeah like that's a thing yeah but um when you start to even get all of those negative yeah people and comments because then you're you're growing and more people are not everyone's gonna vibe with you and look it's not about vibing it's about a whole bunch of different things laid in here that are really important to talk about there's patriarchal privilege there's just trolling as a matter of course there's boundaries there's a lot of stuff with that all of that stuff is in here and it's just important to talk about and I, this is a nice opportunity and I'm not going to let it go past. Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome to season two, episode 21 of Belgariad and Beyond the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter, and we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. This season, we're reading book two, Queen of Sorcery, and today we're diving into chapter 20. My name is Sandra. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe. And I'm Alicia, fantasy author and inspiring writer. And yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yes. Uh-huh. So the Christmas, all the Christmas shenanigans is sort of past. All the new year yeah. has passed. Feels good. Back they into always, the groove. Yeah, I always get a little lull between Christmas and New Year. I think a lot of people do. Mm. But it's just kind of this like, I don't know what to do with my time right now. It's like, you know, I don't feel very creative, <laughs> like writing, and the kids are running crazy. So I don't kind of just want to sleep like I'll just go take a nap there's nothing else to do are you kidding so the kids still uh, home no they're back in school Mm -hmm. so it's been it's been adjusting I'll talk about that in my cup okay all right all right cool so um this chapter I enjoyed this chapter I always enjoy this chapter every time I read it yeah it was a fun it was fun it was shorter too it felt shorter but there's a lot in it. Like there was, yeah, it was yeah. like handful. Okay, <laughs> cool. So we'll go into Pogo's cup. Yeah. Do you want me to go? I want you to go. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I was trying to figure out something more clever than this, but I, I say like an earthy brew with veggies in it is more as like you would do when you're drinking stew from a cup kind of thing okay you know because with chunks or just bouillon no it's like chunks of veggie that you can they're really soft that you can just chunky lovely chunky brew good yeah um and so the past week has been i don't know like a mixture of a lot of stuff but i had a moment of big clarity around this thing that um I'm sure I talked about on here when I decided I was going to stop trying to coach people was the word, which I don't Mm -hmm. like that word at all. And just focus on my writing completely. And I spent a year doing that now. Um, Has it really been a year? Yeah. Wow. And so I'm kind of now reflecting on that Mm -hmm. and the year um, and realized yesterday that yeah, I needed to do it for sure. Um, but I didn't really do what I intended to do in that year. Um, the writing I did, I mean, I wrote and published two books in that time. Um, but the other stuff that I thought would come and, and doing that didn't come. And, and I'm talking mostly about money here. Um, and so I realized yesterday it was this like big, like shit, that's, that's what I was doing this whole time is in the process of saying, okay, uh, I'm just going to work on my writing. I also said basically, okay, money, I don't really care about you. And I'm just going to like push you aside and forget about you. And, and that's the relationship I had with money for the last year, which makes sense as to why it wasn't coming. It was like, like any relationship, 
if you neglect it and have apathy towards it, then it's going to really not exist at all. So I've been just sitting with that and, and figuring out how to kind of rework that within myself. Um, so that was good though. That was a really good realization for myself that, but it was kind of frustrating that I did it for a whole year without realizing I was doing it. And then um, getting my personal space back this week has been great, but I have been finding it really hard to get back into a writing flow. Mm-hmm. I've really just wanted to just enjoy my time and not do anything at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's your holiday time. Yeah, I've gone back and forth between like feeling guilty versus like, no, it's okay because mm-hmm. you really had two weeks of no no ability to do this kind of stuff yeah so it's really just about me enjoying the moment yeah and the best way I know how is how the past week has been so yep okay there's some interesting things that you've got rolling around in there in your in your potion cup don't choke on it yeah this is chunky (laughs) they're soft though so very soft veggies okay (laughs) Oh, okay. So my potion, I've put turmeric and grapeseed oil tonic, uh, which doesn't sound tasty at all, but it very often medicine is not tasty. You know, I had, I can't remember who told it to me, but someone, probably my mother said to me one day, medicine, of course it tastes yucky. If it tasted good, you'd be sick. You'd want to be sick all the time. (laughs) so but anyway this this tonic that i've got today in my potion cup i'm sort of sitting proxy for a very good friend of mine who um you know i look into my potion and it's thick and golden and it's like light caught in liquid because my friend's had two operations on her eye in the past three weeks so she had an operation today because the retina is detached and um, I just feel for her and I'm grateful for all of my working parts and I'm grateful that she's got access to surgeons and I just want to be with her and I've got commitments and I can't go up um, to take care of her. So this is what I do. Last time, like she was operated on, I think it was the 27th so a couple of days after christmas day all through christmas she was non-mobile she had to lie perfectly still all through christmas and then she went in and had the operation and i went to a little chapel not too far from here dedicated to the patron to a patron like a saint of eye health saint oda and she was a blind the blind daughter of someone or other but she you know so this is beautiful little little tiny chapel and it was really moving and I can't remember if I talked about it did I talk about it no Mm -hmm. it was really moving experience to sort of go into this space and you know I lit a candle and spent some time there and um it was really beautiful I'll put a I'll put a photo in the show notes because it's just it was really special and so I, you know, lit my candles, did my spells, sent it out there to do its work. And this time I'm just like, no, I'm blessing my own candles today, bugger the priest. I'm going to bless my own candles as the priestess that I am. I don't often declare publicly I'm a priestess, but by goddess, today, mm-hmm. I'm doing it today. I'm feeling very, I'm channeling Polgara, I think, today, <laughs> very clearly. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a a lot to go through and someone you care for is uncomfortable and you know yeah you want to be there for them yep 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 so that's my potion today yeah yeah it's like kind of an exhale now (laughs) oh god yeah so garyan's view please Okay, so this chapter, I basically summed it up as a mud people attack. (laughs) 
because that's really what it was. Um, but Garion does get to test his fighting skills again in him and Dernick and Sinidra walking back and get ambushed by these creatures, um, which at the end we discover are these snakes all like built up into these weird human figure things um, sent by, did I get her name right? Is it Salmisra? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, and that's really, I mean, that's it. It's yep. the sum of the chapter. Okay, cool. So into the chapter, into Wolf's mm-hmm. Wisdom. Um, so when we come into the chapter, Dernix just appeared in the glade where Garion and Sinedra almost kissing. Mm-hmm. That was cute, the moment. It was even Dernick, who's so straight-faced and yeah. against anything that's not, like, yeah. traditional, was smirking at them because he sensed yeah. but I mean I guess this is quite traditional you know young people doing yeah, their thing yeah but I would have expected Dernick to not even pick up on it I guess oh really you know? yeah I guess he, yeah, he yeah I can see that but it's nice that it shows that he did because it's sort of like so well let me think he's been prudish about the affair but that's like um that's a moral thing that had him up in arms about about that. And it wasn't even an affair. It was like a an, an assumed affair that he thought, well, that's just wrong. You don't fall in love with someone else's wife. And I'm trying to think about him and anything to do with sex or like flirty relationships. He doesn't flirt. Well, yeah, there was another moment that wasn't really a relationship thing. <gasps> the thing he... with Bethra. Oh, right. And that was another moral Silk. judgment, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was another one too that wasn't even relationship based, but he just got like really upset because it was outside of his scope of what he knew. Oh, I can't remember it? what it is, but but yeah, those are two moments for sure. I can't remember either. But yeah, so so it's nice that he sees this as innocent, obviously, like an innocent courting kind of two young people together that's cute yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and gary and gary and blushes and sinetra's just like all cool <laughs> yeah it, she's obviously not affected by people knowing about her love life or seeing her naked or any of that kind of stuff it's just really out in the open for her it appears not so she's a very confident young lady mm-hmm and, um, so um, Dernick tells them that they need to come back. Mm-hmm. Aunt Paul wants them back, and they start the walk. And, and we see Gary and pause and, and look up and notice the clouds coming. Oh, because they say there's a storm coming. Yeah. And so he looks up and notices the clouds look really strange. And as they're walking, it starts to get dark really quickly. And even Dernick starts to pick up on like, yeah, that is. I've never really seen clouds like that before. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they come in really quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you already say that? I don't know if I said that. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, gets really, it gets really dark all of a sudden and they're in the forest. Yeah. And and um, I love the what Sinedra says about the trees. Uh-huh. Yeah, she that says, was really cool. Yeah, she's like, they get into the trees and they're in the woods and um, it's like the trees are uneasy and whispering all about them and passing messages. And Sinedra says they're afraid. Something's frightening them. Mm-hmm. And Dernick doesn't really understand. She says, the trees, they're afraid of something. Can't you feel it? And Dernick just yeah. doesn't get it. Right. Um, and then but- doesn't somebody, is it Gary and someone picks up some type of a smell? Yeah, so it's really described so beautifully. I love this description. You know, they're in the forest. It's all getting weird. It's dark. The clouds have closed in. And then the the birds just go silent. So you can sort of feel this this ominous thing going on. And then the the breeze is chilly. And then the smell is foul. the, The rotten veggies and, like, stagnant water that's the smell 
that Garion Garion smells it. Yeah, that was uh, I don't know. It's just the all of the whole set the way he's building up the the setting for this coming attack. Hmm. Uh, I, I really liked that whole with the trees, especially. Yeah, and that we get to see Sinidra really does like she can pick up on yeah that the trees are are afraid and they don't they feel uneasy about something and then she's even the one that suggests like maybe we should run (laughs) yeah she does and so she's really is a dryad and so Sinedra is is the one who says Nyissa is south of here it's mostly swamps but it's not that close she says you know and they all agree that you know smell wouldn't carry that far and yeah maybe they should run <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and Jenik says no he's keep trying to keep them safe because the ground's uneven it's really dark now but they can walk a bit faster <laughs> right um, and so I'm forgetting how from here how the so oh, they start seeing seeing them in between yeah, the trees yeah like so the they're shadows. walking really fast and they see these shapes and Garion asks if they're dryads and Sinedra is like re- really re- revolted and she's like no no it's something alien something alien yeah that's an interesting I remember oh, reading that and thinking that's interesting did you yeah just something alien I guess she just means alien to the forest yeah I like the yeah. actual meaning the actual definition of the word alien is mm-hmm. something that just doesn't belong there right so uh they start to see the forms a little bit more clearly. They realize that they're kind of surrounded by these things. And yeah. one comes out to, to try to get Gary and, and Sinidra. They've been, you know, they kind of start running. Yeah. So Gary, yeah. Dernick's picked up a, a, a cudgel, like a lump of wood. Gary does the same thing. And then Dernick tells them to run. And he stays sort of lags further and further behind and is eventually surrounded by these creatures and then so are Gary and Sinedra well mm-hmm. no they're not surrounded straight away but one of them pops up in front of them Gary and sort of pushes Sinedra behind him and he's got his mm-hmm. cudgel ready to protect yeah. um, Sinedra yeah that was a, a good moment and I thought it reflected back to um, the, when he was complaining about having to be her like you know her what do they call those the, like servant yeah, her servant. Like that's a hard word. <laughs> well, um, I was trying to think of an alternate word. Like, there's something. <laughs> there's a, there's a different word I have that I can't grab it. The servant works. Uh, uh, and then scullery boy. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. Um, and then here he is, you know, in the matter of life and death, he's willing to put himself between her and, and I wonder too if anything with the moment they just shared at the little lake has anything to do well with I think that. that they're sort of you know they're, they're similar age and they're together and there's obviously chemistry and well Garion does tend to do this bravery thing he does tend mm-hmm. to just not in put in a situation he will choose to stand up and like be the dude with the sword even yeah. if it's a stick mm-hmm so, and even if he's panicking, like he's starting to panic a little bit. And, um, and then Sinedra screams and, and he realises that she's been grabbed from behind around the waist by one of these creatures, one of these mud men. And so they're described as mud men. They're kind of like, they've got no mouth, they've no real face. They've got kind of eye holes and half-formed, like half-formed hands and like limbs. They sort of shamble about. So... I sort of in my head see as though like I got some mud, like I'm making mud pies and I tried to make mm-hmm. it like a little man yeah. out of a mud pie. That's what I see. And like they're all stinking and oozing with this sticky mud and um, they've got like they're covered with um, like rotting moss and they're like these dark grey colours. And so, yeah, really gross, just horrible. Yeah, what your face is doing right now. That's, yeah. 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 and so yeah go oh it's just a side note I was thinking of um in this um movie called the house with a clock in its walls there's a 
a lion made out of a bush that comes to life. And he, at one scene, he like poops all into the pool, but because he's made of only leaves, it's just like all brown and muddy. Like, like the guy says, why does it smell like rotting sulfur or something like that? So I was just imagining all of that as you were speaking. Like, That's so great. Just seeing a, a bush lion poop into a pool. <laughs> it was really funny it was a really funny scene it's kind of gross too Let's see if i can find a picture of that yeah um uh yeah so so sinedra has been grabbed from behind and gary is whacking into the creature with his club but it just sinks into him it doesn't sort of do anything doesn't stop him he still keeps coming yeah and and so he cuts off his arm and it just keeps coming still and so Sinedra's freaking out she's screaming and so the mud still got Sinedra around the waist and so Garion realizes that he's not doing any damage and so mm-hmm. whacks him off at the ankles and right. I every time I read this I'm like oh my god oh my god how about you I honestly I I don't even remember reading that part. <laughs> well, the reason that I don't know is because the mudman falls over, but he's still holding onto Sinedra. And all I can imagine is Sinedra landing on top of this mud creature and it's sort of still holding around the waist. So like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I just really don't like it very much. And then it's so funny. Gary sort of throws his club away because he realises it's not helping. And he gets his dagger, like, and starts sort of, and when he does it, I'm like, how is a dagger going to help against mud? Right. I mean, what would you use to defend yourself against mud? Well, that's the whole, that's why they're so scary, I think. But, yeah. Cause... And, but it does say in the next sentence, like, it's really tough. Like, he's trying to cut through the, the arms so that he can free Snedra. And it's all, like, twisted vines and twigs and stuff. Mm. So it's actually a lot of substance in there. It's not just, like, yeah just mud right um and then you know one comes up behind him and trying to get going and then the others appear yeah this was a an interesting part for me yeah uh, i i the novels i write um have magic that's really similar to like what wolf and polgara use right here and um it was just interesting i'm like wow he really made it simple on himself by like she just yells, he just yells fire and then yeah. boom, there's fire. And so she yells water and then the rain comes. And it's like, that's, that's simplifies it for you. I made it so complicated. Well, different styles and some, yeah, some I mean, I know that when I'm reading about magic, I like to know how it works. At some stage, mm-hmm. I like to know how the power is generated and how it works in the world. Right. So I like a bit of complicated magic. If you tell me how it yeah. works and it makes sense, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think the the simplicity of that they can just say fire or water threw me for a minute just because I'm like, whoa. Well, and it's not that's... just it's not just that. There's a like you like Garion, like it's commented on Garion feels the drawing in of their will. Like all of a sudden, Wolf is like bigger than all of them. It's a giant towering yeah. above them because of the power of the will he's drawn in to generate this thing. And it's well, another, um, hey? another like Gandalf moment of like when Gandalf is, uh, he gets upset and he almost like grows and towers yes. over when Bilbo Draws accuses him, him of, yeah. Yeah. And the other interesting thing here before we get to the the other side of the magic is how the other people in the crew react to the mud men. Um, like Barak and Hetar and Silk, not so much, but Mandrallen um, is commented on Gary and sort of, so we've sort of skipped right to the magic, but the others appear like Barak appears and Hetar and Mandrallan and they're sort of laying about, they're chopping with swords and 
back sort of pales when he realizes that he chops the heads off and they just keep coming. And then um, Garion takes Sinedra to the tents, um, which is really hard because at this stage Sinedra's hysterical <laughs> and Garion's going to yeah. sort of practically drag her. <clears throat> and that's where, and you know, he gets there and Aunt Paul's like, what is it? And Gary is like monsters in the woods and he runs into his tent and grabs his sword. Right. What did you think of this part? It was just really funny visual for me. <laughs> I don't remember exactly the word he used, but I imagined Gary and like running, grabbing. And as he's running away, he's like flailing around with the sword like everywhere around him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, they've got Danik, I've got to go. And Paul Gar is mm-hmm. sort of saying, no, 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 come back. Right. And me trying to get Sinedra untangled around her because she's like freaking out. Mm-hmm. And now Gary's like, no, no, Danik's my friend. I have to go. So yeah, I could just, I could see, ah, yeah, running off with his sword, uh-huh. brain on fire. Yeah, that was funny. So yeah, the the three men, the you know Beric and the others, they're trying to use their weapons to yeah. defeat these things, but they're not. I mean, they can probably whack them pretty good, but yeah. I imagine they would just kind of come back. Well, it's just totally ineffective. Like at one stage it says one of them puts his hand back on and just keeps going. So it's like. Or when they chop the limbs off, the limbs are still on their own coming after you. Correct. Oh, I hate that. (laughs) It's kind of Um, zombie-like. Yeah. So so then Mr. Wolf and Aunt Paul are there and Sinedra sort of behind them and they do this. They work together with the weather. Mm And I love that. It, yeah. Mm, and so, yeah. So when he says, because he does fire first. Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, Wolf does. And then it says, like, the ground is rumbling. So is he making the fire come up from the earth and it's rumbling? Or what is it? No, it says the sizzling bolt of lightning shot upward from his hand into the whirling clouds overhead. Okay. And, and then the earth trembled with the violence of the shattering thunderclap that came after that. Okay, so it was the thunderclap. And then he shatters the earth because that's going to, like, unbalance No, there's no shattering earth. It's just a shattering sound of the thunderclap. Like, the thunderclap mm-hmm. makes the earth sort of tremble. It's so mm-hmm. powerful. Right. I mean, the purpose of that, though, like, what was his purpose for? To, um, well, I, I'm not a meteorologist. I'm not a meteorologist, but maybe they are um, instigating. So he's creating a situation, it feels like, where Polgara can then go water and mm-hmm. the downpour starts. Okay. So he sends the lightning up to kind of instigate the storm. It feels like they're working together. Yeah. To create that. Okay. Yeah. So it feels like they're working together. And it's interesting, though, you know, all the bushfires in Australia at the moment, there's some areas that the fires are so big, they're generating their own weather. Um, and so, you know, the, like all of the smoke and the heat like rises up and creates this storm, this weather pattern, which, you know, then this storm happens and it has lightning in it, which then strikes down and starts more fires, which generates more heat. That's something that not everybody knows. A big fire generates its own weather. So that's what makes me think that they're working together. Like he does the fire and then she causes it to rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I just didn't connect it immediately if the first time I read it, but yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And then I like the description of when the rain comes, it's not just rain. It's like, <laughs> like literally just like someone's pouring bu- a huge bucket over them. <laughs> like the air is just turned to water or something. Yeah. <laughs> And so that yeah. causes the mud to like melt and break down, and yep. then that's when we see that it's actually 
a bunch of little yeah snakes. so yeah so Barrack sort of pokes a lump of clay and it breaks open and a snake unwinds from the center of that and um, that's when I would be losing it like I could maybe deal with the mud <laughs> people but as soon as I saw those were snakes I'd be like I'm gone I'm up a tree Good luck. I'm out of here <laughs> Um, yeah, so and then so Aunt Paul tells Gary to bring her a snake. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And 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 Silk volunteers to bring the snake. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so he grabs, sort of pins it with a fork stick and brings it over to Polgara. So she has like a conversation with the snake at I'm wondering, and you probably know this, the snake, so do the snakes themselves like speak and think for themselves or is there some kind of other person she's communicating with through the snake? Well, no, I think it's the snake talking. Okay. Remember the canary talked? Yeah. Right. And it, this this snake I think is talking out loud because Silk's it, the description is Silk's face blanched as the dripping snake spoke. And he mm -hmm. tightened his grip. So I think they can all hear him. Yeah, so she gets information from the snake quite easily about Selmistra and, you know, that she, I guess she sent them because she knows they're really close and she knows what they're trying to do. And she doesn't want them to be successful. Is that it? I guess so. So I, it seems like a warning to not come into nisa like mm -hmm. to stay out of nisa it's it's quite vague but the snake is not hiding like why they're there like some mistress sent them right. we're here to warn you you'll enter nisa at your own peril a lot of things there that can kill you a little tiny sting a little tiny bite yeah Ugh. is that where they're trying to go are they planning on going through there or Yes, I think that it's been mentioned before. Remember they were talking about having boats to sail mm -hmm. across to Nisa from okay. that drunken evening where right. Belgrath was really tender. <laughs> it's like, you know, asking Barak if he'd sorted the boats out, the ships out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ship. I remember that. So, yeah, I think that's the plan. Okay. But Polgar is not at all, she doesn't even flinch at the threats of this. Like, no, she she's could, very... In her mind, she could just wipe Selmistra out with a swipe of her hand if she wanted to. Do we doubt it at this stage? No, I mean, if I was Polgar, I wouldn't <laughs> probably be afraid either. Yeah, so, I mean, that's it. She's, uh, she doesn't find anything out, like, she asks what some mistress interest is the snake doesn't know she lets the snake go you know go back and tell your queen you know that if she interferes again i'll come after her and she won't like that very much mm -hmm. and is that the end is that the end of the chapter um almost <clears throat> almost so so the snake goes all of the snakes sort of go away. <laughs> it's at that stage, that wolf sort of says, probably oh, in a right. rain hole. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Because they have to go find Dernick. They still don't know where Dernick yeah, went. No. So Paul sort of switches off the rain. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love the way she's just, you know, like she just waves her hand and that's it. Just stops mm -hmm. instantly. Mm -hmm. And then they have to go and find Dernick. And Garion is like really um, scared of what they might find because Dernick was surrounded. It's all been very, you know, swords and adrenaline and stuff. And yeah. um, the, this is interesting though. Did you notice Mandralin here in this scene, this little bit? Um, that he felt, it kind of mentions that he suddenly is worried himself about Dernick that he yeah yeah he's coming sort of, to like him yes and he's sort of subdued and usually he's kind of 
bub shit like boisterous and he's really vocal and like oh ha, 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 yes let's just kill everyone and not afraid of anything but he's really kind of um like garion sees him um the way he's talking and mm-hmm. the way he's acting uh, like garion notices it and then Dernick's up a tree and he just calls down to them and he's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah quick on his feet sorry i keep coughing when you speak my voice is a bit it's okay i was ranting uh, quite a bit earlier <laughs> <laughs> and i think i strained my voice that's okay but that's the end of the chapter right well not quite you've missed something no? really important well, i thought it ended with them seeing dernick i don't have my book open right now Shall, that that's good that's fine so uh, Paul quickly embraces Dernick as soon as he's there mm-hmm. and then lets him go very quickly as though she's embarrassed and starts right. to, like, what do you think you're doing? Mm-hmm. And Dernick's just very patient and has a bit of a strange expression <laughs> on his face. Because she cares. Because <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can yell at me all you want as long as I know that you care Mm -hmm. that I didn't die. (laughs) Exactly. So that's the end of the chapter. Okay. Um, I remember. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Very eventful. Like, everyone's okay, so. (sighs) Okay. Okay, so time for the magic. You want to share yours? Sure. So I really like um, Polgara unleashing the water, just how she's so, she's described in the text. Well, I would have to go back and have a look now, but just so strong and powerful and fucking fierce. And I just like, rah, just this mm-hmm. one word, you know, and suddenly the, the the heavens open up and this deluge yeah. which overflows the banks of the, the, the little stream and melts the mud people and just the like the the power of that like it's like like mother nature is like embodied there and just oh, yeah. I love it I love it that's my magic it's a good it's a good scene I um I know there was other like magic magic moments, but I just put Dernick's uh quick moves up the tree, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, how? I mean, how would you do that if you're surrounded by these things and you can still manage to scramble all the way up there and get to okay. safety? That's pretty, you know, I don't think everybody would survive that. <laughs> Dernick has his own special brand of magic yeah yeah okay uh, real life relating so for me coming off that polgara power um i felt that same surge of fury and power that polgara displayed with the water um, you know the feeling that I'm I'm compelled to drive away or def- something or someone or defend my loved ones from from anyone who might um, hurt them mm-hmm. or harm them. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been controlling that desire quite nicely for several weeks now because being a mother is really effing hard. Yeah. Being a mother of adult children. Well, it's not any effing easier. I can imagine. I can just, I, I don't even try to ever go there yet because I can imagine how hard it is to let them just live their life, you know? Yep. If they're messing up. <laughs> well, in your, in your mind. <clears throat> oh, no. Well, mm-hmm. I just seal my lips. Plant lots of seeds. Support, support. Mm-hmm. 
not kill people, which I think is admirable. <laughs> yeah, I think my parents had a lot of those moments with me. <laughs> I'm sure mine did. <laughs> yeah. So. So that's my real life relating. I'm sorry, it's really vague, listeners, but you know. It's really very, very um, respectful of our children's privacy, I think. (laughs) I try. I'm sure it slips out and gets through the cracks, you know, a little bit, but (laughs) I try. Yeah. Um, I chose again, I couldn't think of anything like personal, personal. So I do, I can say that when I was reading the moment of silk grabbing the snake, though, I had flashbacks when I would watch those shows, animal shows with Steve Irwin. And there was another guy, though, I can't remember his name, uh, that was American that did shows just like that. And he was the snake guy, though, Uh this other guy. And um, he would use his hand and just go behind the snake and just grab its head and then hold it up to the camera and just start talking about it. I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I could never, I'm, I've been in close proximity to several snakes in my life as an Australian. And at no time have, been, have I had any desire to get closer to it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we have, I have like trails over here close to my house and I go walk there a lot. And it's only happened once. There was a, we have rattlesnakes in California and he was just sprawled right there covering the whole trail that I was trying to get through. And mm-hmm. I just kind of shit, what am I going to do? And thankfully in like a few minutes, these two guys came up behind me and the one was like, Oh, look at that. And he got all interested in it. And he was being dumb and going over to the head and trying to get pictures and stuff. I used that moment to go around the tail and just like jump and run. <laughs> yeah, good plan. Like, yeah, you okay. just distract the snake. I'm gonna run. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what happens to them, but I, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I was out of there. <laughs> yeah, that was enough for me. And that now I, I'm always looking ahead as I walk just to make sure. Mm-hmm. But that was the only time. So. Okay. Well, very, very like in when we're walking in the bush, you make noise. Like you make. You yeah. don't try and walk quietly. You make noise because yeah. they well, don't want to be placed... near you any more than they want. You want to be near them, right? And they've placed like rocks all over the trails, and I feel like they did that not for the rains too, but also because when you walk, it's loud. It's like yeah, so like the animals hear you yeah a mile away and just yeah. stay away. They don't want to come near you. Mm-hmm. Okay, prophecy speaks. Oh my god, prophecy speaks. All right. swearing a bit today and you know what darling listeners you probably used to that by now <laughs> so I don't yeah. think I have to apologize <laughs> no they but, wouldn't be here if it bothered them no my question what the fuck am I refusing to learn about the situation around the loved one I want to go to war to save the loved one is separate from what you were talking about no. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a child loved one. So, you know, yes. And the book I'm using is Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. I've never read it. I don't really know what it's about. I know that it's supposed to be, it's famous, it's supposed to be excellent. So it's on my bookshelf. And I'm trying to distract from the question because I have a feeling I don't really want to know but I need to know yeah yeah so somewhere in there was Christmas Billy Pilgrim nestled like a spoon with the hobo on Christmas night and he fell asleep and he traveled in time to 1967 again 
to the night he was kidnapped by a flying saucer from Tralfamador. It's the last paragraph, that's it, in a chapter. Okay, read it again. Yeah, okay. Somewhere in there was Christmas. Billy Pilgrim nestled like a spoon with the hobo on Christmas night and he fell asleep and he travelled in time to 1967 again to the night he was kidnapped by a flying saucer from Tralfamador. Okay, so you know what? This is actually, damn it, quite good. So we've just had Christmas, right? Okay. So somewhere in there was Christmas. And so Christmas here, I'm hearing echoes of Christmas past, Christmas future, Christmas as I think it should be, Christmas as I remember it being, Christmas as I wish it was, because Christmas was not how I wish it was for this person. Well, not Christmas, but, you know, a little bit after Christmas. And so if I nestle in really, really close to the hobo, you know, and fall asleep, which I would never do, but I'm doing it all the time because I'm keeping it in my head, in my head, present, present, present. I'm curling up with this, this person, like this figure that you would probably not in normal circumstances be inclined to, to snuggle up against yet I'm doing it all the time in my awareness, in my consciousness, constantly. And I know that, and it's just been really hard to not do that. And so when I do that, when I hold it tight, I travel back. I time travel. I'm not here. I time travel to back then or in the future to the horrible scenarios that I imagine. And... Um, you know, it is like being kidnapped. It's like my own my own consciousness is kidnapping me. I'm kidnapping yeah. myself away from this moment. Well, but what am so I'm refusing to learn that that's what happens. Yeah, I think that the it's more of the thoughts that are kidnapping you. Oh yeah, than your consciousness. But no, I didn't know. I no. Nope, I'm doing it myself. Well, it is part, it is yourself, but it's, it's exactly. like, it's, it's the false self is overpowering the, the real you in, in these moments when you're allowing yourself to go to the past and present. And this is, I, this is my, been my battle too. And like, it's all in the thought process. So when yep. you can gain back control over those thoughts uh, that you'll, find the freedom from this and the situation might start to resolve itself too well i mean stop. that's the thing it's not my situation to resolve right but even just taking your focus off of it could help them you know resolve well, it like you're just you're you're feeding it more negativity yeah. by focusing on oh yeah on outcomes that oh yeah haven't even happened oh yeah <laughs> tell myself all of this yep so my point is what am i not what is it what is it that i refuse to learn is it just that it's somebody else's life maybe well that's the the thing about curling up with the hobo that is something that i hadn't put into the scenario like i knew that i'm projecting into things that just don't exist they're just not real it's a fantasy in my head that I'm imagining yeah you know mm -hmm. but that being present with the like I've been I've been talking to myself about projecting into fantasy like creating fantasy but the being here now with it here not in the future but like here now all of this mm -hmm. real estate that this person's yeah. taking up in my head it's hard yeah I think that the refusing to accept is just you know like you understand all of that like what I just said that you say you're telling yourself but you're still not 
necessarily accepting it because when you do accept it, then that it'll be gone. Mm. And there are moments when I do, and then it comes back. Mm -hmm. And it's a process. Yep. So mine, uh, the book I'm using, oh wait, I say my prophecy. I mean, my thing first. Um, I put just any advice about money. Nothing specific, just whatever. And I have the book, The Fault in Our Stars by John Green, because it just, for some reason, jumped at me. I haven't even read this all the way through. Uh, But let's see. I'm keeping it really, like, light and simple today. Yeah, I said, speaking up on Augustus's behalf. And yes, we, well, Augustus, he made meeting you his wish so that we could come here so that you could tell us what happens after the end of an imperial affliction. It must be a book or something. Um, Van Hooten said nothing, just took a long pull on his drink. After a minute, Augustus said, your book is sort of the thing that brought us together. But you aren't together, he observed, without looking at me. The thing that brought us nearly together, I said. Now he turned to me. Did you dress like her on purpose? Anna, I asked. He just kept staring at me. Kind of, I said. He took a long drink, then grimaced. I don't have a drinking problem, he announced, his voice needlessly loud. I have a Churchillian relationship with alcohol. I can crack jokes and govern England and do anything I want to do except not drink. He glanced over at, I don't know that name, and nodded toward his glass. Um, That's it. (laughs) And I I don't see anything really that jumps out at me. I don't know. If I was very vague this week. But they're talking about, the, it looks like the two characters are talking to this author who wrote the book that they both love that brought them together. That something just came to me mm-hmm. when I said that. And what was that? Um, that that's money can can come from a love of books like it can come from what i do mm-hmm. um which makes me believe that the realization i had yesterday has even more power behind it than i probably initially gave it and it has nothing to do with um where i'm at with money right now it has nothing to do with what i'm doing in the external world and everything to do with how I feel about it on the inside. You know? Yes, I do. um, And this is just like a a reminder that I can definitely have money in my life. Whatever it is. Books. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Which is my life. Books are my life, whether I'm reading or writing them. You got there. Yeah. Yeah, that was what hit me yesterday. It was just like I was listening to this and it was funny how I was kept I was slowly being guided to this place yesterday. Yeah. And the word before I I got there, this word faith was coming up like everywhere for me. Faith, mm-hmm. faith, faith. And uh I was listening to a podcast of this guy. I've listened to him for a while. And it was in that podcast that he said something. He was talking about money. And his whole thing is how it's from the inside out. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to live your life from the inside first. And he was talking specifically on money that day. Referred to another podcast he had done forever ago, like a year ago. And I decided to go listen to it. It was when I was listening to that that it all came together. Mm -hmm. Which is basically this. Um. What are the podcasts that you're listening to? This podcast is called, uh, his name is Jim Fortin. And 
I have it here. Um, yeah, his it's called the Jim Fortin podcast, and his catchphrase is "Transform your life from the inside out." Okay. Um, he can he can come off a little bit like forced to a lot of people at first, just because of his style of speaking. Mm-hmm. But that's just the way he speaks. He's not. If you give him a chance, you see that he is a very genuine person, and everything he says has so much truth to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, cool. But I, I have a friend who can't. She will not listen to him because she hates the way he talks. Well, it's such a personal thing. I find podcasts such a personal thing because you've got someone really close in your ears. It's a relationship that you build with, you know, podcasts that you really like. It's it's a yeah. relationship, and if you know, some people you just don't want a relationship with. Yeah. So I just given that warning. Like if you do decide, just. Okay, cool. So what is your prediction for the next chapter? I put, they think that they're, they're just going to go about their business, like keep continuing with their, with their plan. Uh, of course, they'll probably have to recover a little bit from the attack. Some people might have a little bit of a, especially Sinidra and the emotional recovery to go through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe make a plan on how to deal with Salmisra and this threat that she's given them. Okay, cool. I just thought of, I'm just moving my microphone. I just thought of a hashtag. I like yours. Up a tree. Yeah. Hmm. So, whew, at the end of the chapter, it's been another long episode, I think, but after I cut all the silences out, <laughs> bring the tongue down yeah, a bit. We talked for a little bit before recording, too. So. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. So, yeah, we were having microphone issues. Right um so yeah we're right at the end of the episode darlings i have one little special announcement because there's so much going on in my life at the moment in our lives i think around boundaries and setting boundaries and holding boundaries and it's a really important conversation that i think not enough people have because it can make you feel uncomfortable it can make you feel like you're being rude or unkind um by holding a boundary or making a boundary that you have clear to set it um and the fact is like some of you might have seen a notice that i put up in the uh, facebook page about how to contact us because we really like chatting with you all we love that it's part of it's it's part of the the community of the podcast but it needs to have some structure and it needs to have some boundaries because this is work that we do. And it would be like, you know, just having messages and emails going all the time for you at your work. And that's something that I think everybody needs to be able to switch off or have some space away from when they choose to. That's important as a balance that you create in your life. And so I just thought I would touch on boundaries because it's going on in other parts of my life as well, going on in Alicia's life as well. And the fact is that the only people who get upset when you start setting boundaries and holding them are the people who were gaining something by you not having them and not holding them. The people who are your people will celebrate that you are standing in your strength. They will want to know how they can support you and there's a respect that goes two ways. Yeah. So that's all. I just thought I would touch on that. And, um, you know, some people are never going to like that you do it. And it's really important for you that you do. So, you know, what boundaries are you having to practice really hard to hold? Is it difficult for you? Is it something that you've struggled with before? This is a conversation that I'd like to have. If anybody wants to join in, jump into Facebook. If you're a patron, you can come into the private community and we can chat more about it personally. 
but you know. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to talk in the groups, you know, to where everybody can participate and be part of the conversation together, mm -hmm. you know, and it's more inclusive that way too. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not somebody who's on social media that much. Like I love our private chat we have going through with Patreon, um, people who become a patron mm -hmm. because that is more manageable for me. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like it's social media so much because I already set my boundary on that platform too, to be like, I'm only here for this reason. Yes. And so no, I'm not accepting friends on there or anything like that. I'm just on there for the Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. And so like Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, I'm just not part of it that much. And, yep. um, you know, it's easier for me to have conversations in the Facebook group, which I'm trying to be good about checking. Well, it's not a Facebook group. It's a page. And the page. Sorry, I keep calling That's it a okay. group. The page, because I will check that. Um, yeah. And so, and so there's different ways. Like the Facebook page yeah. is a public forum. We have a couple of other private forums. You can send us an email at bilgariadandbeyond at gmail.com. You can send us a voice message. That's a private yeah. communication, you know, or you we can, have. Go ahead. So, or, or you can jump into, you can, you know, become a patron, support the show so we can create better and better shows for you and chat with us in the private forum. That's the space that we've allocated for cozy private chit chat. Yeah. And we have an awesome listener who has done like all of the above with <laughs> yes. us. And that's just great. Yeah. It makes me giddy and happy to know, you know, that's yeah. happening. So. Yep. so that's my little boundary talk today, darlings. Yeah, it's definitely what I needed today. Okay. <laughs> so. so even though it's hard, it's important. And it's really empowering and makes you feel strong. Yeah. Yeah. I have to figure out how I'm going to do that today with some people in my life. Okay. And I, I know it'll be fine. It'll all work out. I don't think anybody's going to turn on me or anything like that. No. It's it just, just feels, me. And, it just feels uncomfortable because it's something yeah. that when it's something that you're not used to doing, it feels uncomfortable and a bit wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's also just because there's kids involved in this. I don't want any children to feel uh, like they got their hopes up or that they're going to be left out or anything like well, that. Well, you know what? Boundaries, setting, showing kids how to set boundaries helps them learn how to do it as adults and as children. There's no age limit on setting boundaries, on learning how to do it well. Yeah. We don't have examples. We don't learn. Mm -hmm. That's true. Okay. So thank you all, listeners, for getting to the end of the show with us. If you want to talk about this episode specifically, you can use the hashtag up a tree or raining buckets. And um, catch us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Bulgarian and Beyond. Email us, bilgariadandbeyond at gmail.com. You can find all of the extended show notes at our website bulgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com and um, all of these will be in the show notes so you can click on things and you know find things pretty easily and there'll be a link for you to leave a voice message too if you like i yeah. think you covered it all <laughs> oh and if you'd like to support the show um, and get access to some really cool stuff you can head over to patreon and join garion's gang or polgara's flock or silk selection and there'll be a link in the show notes for you to do that. You can join Garion's Gang for $2 and that, get, that gets you into the private chat. And, uh, you know, it's very cool in there. You know, it's not, it's like two bucks a month. That's, that's not a lot. Right. <laughs> we do four <laughs> shows. We do at least four shows a month. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's like, what, 50, not even... Well, that's 50 cents a show. <laughs> <laughs> Split between two, so that's 25 cents each. 
So right. trust me, it's not about the money. <laughs> right. It's it's Patreon is, is a great tool that was created for people who do podcasts and I know well, other things maybe. Like it's for, it's for artists. Like that's originally artists had patrons who would support them while they created their art. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a way for you to create the artists that you love as they create their art because creating art is a valid um, career choice. Right. And um, (laughs) making a living in the career that you choose, that's, you know, I think everyone has that aim. Yeah. 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 And so it's really a beautiful thing, Patreon. Yeah. And I was a patron for a podcast on there Me for too. a long time. I still and am. I, I loved it. I, I, I can't listen to them anymore. I've just gone a different direction than they are, but I used yeah. to like obsess over that stuff. Yeah. And it would make my, it was when I worked and I had this office job and I would just consume their stuff while I was bored out of my mind yeah. at work, you yeah. know? It really is. It's important. It's important um, for a whole bunch of reasons, but you know, it is a beautiful thing. Yep. Okay. Now I think we're done, right? Okay. I think so. I have to pee. <laughs> I'm start doing the pee Sun, dance. <laughs> wiggle in your chair. All right. We'll see you. Uh, well, I won't see you. Talk to you next week, darlings. Yeah. Bye, guys. (laughs) Okay. Was that okay? Yeah. Okay. It was. Uh, my headache even feels a little bit. I'm surprised. Yeah. Usually, sitting at a desk yeah, makes it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm that, was, that wasn't that wasn't snarky. That was loving. No, I know. <laughs> I never feel like you're being snarky. <laughs> <laughs>